R.E.M., the one I love, on Island 106.9 W.I.I.S.Q.S. Before that, you heard Barty Strange with Bloomer and K. Flay. You can get it. There, there you go. Uh, welcome to It's Too Early. That's the name of the show. I'm Gwen Filosa in with you this morning. Thanks for joining me. I'm super excited to have my guest this morning. She's a stand-up comic, writer, and actress living in New York City. She's on the Food Network. She was on MTV's Girl Code. And she uh, she's on Twitter. She does a lot of things. Uh, her debut comedy album, Chanel Number no. One, is out there. And Chanel Ali, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. Is it too early for you? Oh man, it's so early. My alarm went ten. It went off ten minutes ago. <laughs> so did and mine. My boyfriend. My boyfriend almost slapped it out of my hand because <laughs> he's also a comedian, and he looked at me like, "What could you possibly have to do right now?" Your phone is broken. Oh yeah, there. It, it's just it's like an Amber Alert. Um, too, <laughs> too early. Uh, I'm sorry, but no, thank you for. Yeah, you're you're a comedian and you're an actress. You're you're probably used to staying out late. Yes, last night I stayed out late for sure. Drank a ton, but also like I'm 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 always in go mode. So I'm one of those people that's like once I decide I got to do something, I just get it done. Well, you sound super alert. I appreciate that. This is an act. I'm an actress. <laughs> Uh, I hope that I get an audition off this. They're like, wow, this girl. Well, <laughs> she yeah, throws her we'll, voice. <laughs> we'll, you'll have a tape, so it'll be something for your um, <laughs> your your publicity account. Um, now, I, I got to start out with something. I, you worked at OkCupid? Yes, that was my last real job before I became a full-time comedian. Um, I Yeah, I just did support. I just helped people. Help people find dates. Um, I mean, kidding. not... <laughs> I'm technically fine dates, but yeah, definitely help them like figure out how to manage the app and how to put themselves on it because people have problems with that sometimes. They're like, I should be fake, right? That's how you catch someone, right? And they're like, no, it's we're not trying to catch we're not we're not playing the catch and release game. Uh but yeah, okay keep it was a great job for me and I worked it remotely um when I was doing comedy, which is great because if it was too early, it didn't matter. I was doing it from home. No, I think it sounds like a great job because it, 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 it's a huge job. I mean, that people love OkCupid. Yeah, and it's crazy because I say it on stage. I'll be like, hey, I used to work for OkCupid. Anybody in here on OkCupid? And in the years I've been doing comedy, nobody ever says yes. <laughs> However, there are millions of people on this app. <laughs> so the numbers don't really add up. But it's a secret thing where people don't admit that, like, hey, I trust this app a little more. It seems a little more like me. Uh, but you know, dating is hard. I I don't want to. I don't want anybody to think I have the answers. I definitely don't. But <laughs> it's, it's dating night. is difficult. It's a nightmare. Try it in QS where there's like ten available people. And <laughs> I can't even imagine. It's it's a small town. Um, now you were, your album came out uh, in 2020, Chanel number one. Now, did you? Um, wh- when did you make the album? Like before 2020? Uh, we recorded it. We recorded it in December of 2020. Um, I think it was maybe the third week of December. So I, you know, I had it done right before the pandemic hit. I already had it in the can and I didn't plan to put out an album, obviously during a pandemic slash civil rights movement, Mm -hmm. but I do think my curly hair helped. I think it was apt and, you know, it was a great time for people to open up their ears and, and, you know, discover a new artist. So it, it debuted at number two. I beat out Weird Al, Weird Al Yankovic. He had an album come out around the same time. Wow. And 
for me, like, that's like, if I could go back in time and tell 10 year old Chanel, hey, one day, you know, this guy you see, this weird eye, this weird out guy, you're gonna, you're gonna sell more than him. She would have said, shut up. You you're crazy. Him, you knocked out weird owl. I did it. Some, I, did, I did it. I did it for all of us, but somebody had to do it. Somebody and I did have to have to stand up for us. And um, how, <laughs> how was your 2020 overall? Oh man, it actually wasn't bad, and that's why one of the reasons I don't talk about it too much because I feel so bad complain or you know not complaining. But um, I was living in New York, and then my boyfriend came home right when the pandemic hit, and he was packing all our stuff real crazy. He was like, "You have asthma. We have to go to the mountains." Mm. And I was like, "Oh, your baby's having a mental breakdown. Yeah, okay, you gonna hurt me when we get to the mountains?" And he was like, "What? No, get in the car." We got to get out of here because at the time we were living with four other male comedians mm -hmm. and the idea of trying to convince four comedians to suddenly wash their hands is like, how are we going to manage? <laughs> uh, so we moved to the mountains of PA and uh, it's only about an hour and a half from the city. So we come back and forth now. So yeah, I've been living really well. Like there's barely any cases up there. I see deer all the time. I feed fish. I didn't think my life would end up this way this early, but here, here I am. You're, you're living the kind of suburban dream. I am the hot housewife in the town that we live in. And I love, I wear my leggings everywhere. Nobody can tell if I'm high or not. They can't see my eyes. I just love it. There's a casino in our town that's very fancy. I go, at the, I go to the casino and I, I sit at the bar and it's, it's a little sad, but I feel good, you know? <laughs> no, it's not sad at all. You're, you're, you're raising the bar there. That's right. You I'm are. like, you guys don't even know. I used to live in New York City. <laughs> oh. You're from Philadelphia, from Philly. Yeah. And um, how did you, and, and you started out, did you start out in comedy there? Yeah, I started there. I did comedy there for like two years. Um, but you know, I, comedy was always something that was inside of me. I think when I was seven was the first time that I really had that fully formed thought. Like, man, I think I'm a comedian. I think I just am one of these people. And I just don't think I probably could do anything else. Probably not. Even though I tried for like 20 years, I didn't tell nobody. I kept it to myself and just tried to like go to college, get a job. But then when I graduated college in Philly, I just went to an open mic and tried it once. I didn't have any written material. I never even wrote a joke. I just got on stage and just started talking. And it just happened. It just clicked. And I, I just recognized for sure. I was like, oh, this is real. This is rooted in something real. Let's give everything we have to this. Uh, and I just did comedy for about two and a half years in Philly and then sold all of my stuff, got on a mega bus, moved to New York City, moved into an Airbnb because I didn't have an apartment yet mm -hmm. and just did it that old renaissance follow your dreams way. Wow, that's amazing to, to me that that's courage. It was scary. I'm not going to lie. And I remember the, the day the lady came to buy my bed, which was like my last big piece of furniture. She needed the bed so badly. I gave it to her like half off. And as she was taking it, I'm like bawling. I'm just crying mm -hmm. hysterically because I'm terrified of this huge life choice I'm making. And I remember her turning to me like, Mommy, are you sure you want me to take this bed? Because it seems like it's messing you up. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, please take it. I'm so happy to be able to bless you with this and, and and move forward and I it is hard but please quickly get out of here <laughs> and then uh, the first apartment that I actually got in Brooklyn was furnished and the the landlord gave me all the furniture he gave it to me uh just out of an act of kindness so it felt like the universe blessed me back I got back all of those things that I gave away I got them back probably within a year the whole room I got it all back 
That's so great. Did, did you immediately go to the clubs and say, I'm doing this? No, no. I mean, I did scope out the clubs, but really what convinced me to move to New York was that I went to Brooklyn one day and Hannibal Burris was hosting a show at the Knitting Factory, uh, which still, the show still exists. He doesn't host it anymore, but it's one of the most popular shows in New York. And that night, Robin Williams dropped in. Whoa. And I watched him go on stage and I watched all the other comedians who were similar to me, people I had joked with before go on stage. And I thought, this is magic. Whatever, whatever they're cooking up in Brooklyn, that they could get Robin Williams out of the club or even out of his house mm-hmm. and come over here. I was like, I want to be here. There's magic here. These young kids, like, you know, Hannibal was very young at the time. I was like, they're doing something here. And it convinced me not to chase the clubs as much, even though I still get booked at the clubs and do spots there. But those independent shows, that's where I really got my start. That's great. That's great. And and you're, you you do like a storytelling type of, you, you tell stories. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I do a little stand up, n- nothing like you, not nothing, nothing <laughs> at all. I'm afraid of the silence. Like when I see somebody do the storytelling and I'm like, how do you stand a few seconds of? It, oh, yeah, it, it is scary. It is scary. But it's almost like this trust thing that you have to to find in yourself to know that like I know that right now I'm not being very funny because I'm setting up this joke but if you guys just wait a second I'm gonna get there and that payoff will be worth it you know Um, and also I think it's just like my natural way of communicating I'm not a very silly person all the time I don't speak in jokes I know lots of comedians like that Um, I'm you know usually kind of quiet I'm a little more chill but once you get really get me really engaged you know I let those jokes fly so it's like I just kind of modeled my joke writing after how I communicate. And and usually the the punch delivers. I mean when, when people do yeah. that, it's amazing to see. And um Yeah. What is um, And also it's ahead. you know what it is? It's also about building tension. And that's the thing about storytelling, is that it builds tension and it gets people to anticipate a turn or an end. And I love that part of comedy. I love that being quiet. I even have a joke where I pretend like I'm getting kind of sad about it. And people think I'm going to say something really sincere. And then I say some real messed up stuff. One of my favorite bits because they, it's this misdirection that people don't see coming. They think I'm about to make a wholesome speech even. And then instead I say, I say something, you know, that's, you know, off color. And I just, uh, I love having that control of a room saying, hey, follow me, follow me, follow me. Ha ha. You didn't know where I was going. You didn't know. <laughs> I didn't. They didn't. Now you do a lot of things besides comedy, and you're you've been on TV a lot. Did you know that? Yeah, I know. I sometimes when people tell me my credits, I'm like, oh yeah, I did do that. I forgot about that. <laughs> you're, you're busy, and I don't know. There's a certain famous, a certain level, high level of fame when you're on the Food Network. <laughs> yes, I mean it is esteemed. Believe you me. Even the the background process of the Food Network was like the most intense I've ever gone through. They went through my tweets with a fine tooth comb, and obviously I'm squeaky clean because I, I made it through. Mm-hmm. But I also, I, I think it's one of my credits to say that I've had my own Food Network show, and I did not cook a thing, not one thing did I cook on that show. I don't think I don't. <laughs> I didn't even own an apron before that show, but they came to me with the concept and were like, hey, we want to explore food arguments. Every episode will be a different argument. You think you could host this show? And I said, let's go, baby. Let's do it. Because that's one thing I learned in entertainment. When somebody says, hey, you think you could do this? You always say yes. Really? Even, even if you have no idea, you just say yes and we'll figure it out as we're going along. I like uh, it. But 
it was a great it was a great uh, season of, sh- of episodes for that show. And one of our most popular episodes was uh, is is a hot dog a sandwich? Okay, okay. I, and that's just I don't know. That's just an argument. That's just an argument we posed, and it blew up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and the MTV Girl Code. What on earth was that like? I mean, that's that's a whole different ball game. And- well, that was my first opportunity. That was my first real opportunity in comedy. I booked that maybe a year and a half after being in New York City. I was doing, like I said, I was at an independent show at a coffee shop, a stupid coffee shop, not a comedy club, a stupid coffee shop in Brooklyn. I was killing. I was killing because I treat every show like it's a it's Madison Square. Mm-hmm. And when I got off stage, uh, the producer for Girl Code hit me up on Instagram and said, hey, I, I just saw you at this coffee shop randomly. I was sitting in the back. You're amazing. You, I can't get you an audition, but if you do a self-tape, I'll show it to the director. I went home. I did my makeup. I set up the lighting. I pretended like I was on Girl Code, and I booked that show. Mm. Uh, but it was amazing. It's all, it's all, you know, everything that we say on Girl Code is written by us. Nobody writes for you, as they do on most TV shows. So to every episode, go in there and be able to spill my brain and be able to have the, the creative control to say, actually, I want to say it again. I want to say it differently, or I want to... You know, I want to take another take and and try it this way. It was great, and it was a great experience for me to learn how to like produce myself, direct myself. That's great. That's great. What um now, do you, how do you write the the material for stand up? Are do you write all the mm. time? Do you what what's your process? I don't write all the time, but I always say that I live in a world of yes. So that means if somebody asks me to do something like, hey, do you want to wake up at eight a.m. and talk on the radio? I say yes, unless I have a really solid reason, like I absolutely cannot do it, I more often say yes. Even if somebody pulls up in a car, like, hey, we're going to go to the, the mountains, you want to go? If I don't have a reason to say no, I say yes. And the reason that that helps me write so much is because I'm constantly doing new things, I'm constantly experiencing new people, I'm constantly learning lessons or getting lost, and I just think that sometimes you can't write in a vacuum. You need to just be experiencing, living, breathing uh, not even just to say that I have new experiences to write about, but sometimes you can have a conversation with a new person and it can remind you of something that you've been wanting to joke about or that you should explore. You know, it's, it comes up naturally in conversation. So I I try to digest all of these experiences and then I write some notes in my phone because I don't write out the whole joke, but a couple of lines about, you know, where I think I want to take it. And then I just get on stage and work it out work it out you know it takes a few a few sets before i decide what a joke is really about and sometimes i'll be telling a joke for the first time on stage and people will laugh at a part that i didn't really think was funny yet i'm like why are you mm-hmm. laughing here what are, i'm like what are you guys hearing you know so it's it's this push and pull process of trying to figure out like what is this joke let's uh, let's shape this ice and, and you have you have a bit um i love about uh, disaster movies and and who they're yeah. for could you not not asking you to do the bit but i mean there tell tell us what what they're about <laughs> well, I, well i say i say in in black households that uh disaster movies are just called white people crazy movies <laughs> um and i'm just you know i'm referencing those those time old tales from the 90s dante's peak all the movies with sharks uh <laughs> Twister. Twister is one of my favorite movies. Helen Hunt is an anomaly to me. She's always she's always bragging about how she's never had any plastic surgery. And I'm like, who does that? Who in the history of being a young actress has bragged this way? 
we see your forehead. This is crazy. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, I watched a lot of, I watched a lot of movies growing up. Comedy movies impacted me a lot, and a lot of movies like disaster movies that are not supposed to be funny but have some comic relief are so great, just so refreshing, especially over this pandemic. That's if, if I could give anybody any any advice, go watch a disaster movie if you're feeling like things are crazy, and then you'll realize I'm handling this well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's a that's a great idea. What um what advice do you have for uh, the promise you this last question I'll let you go. Uh what advice yeah. do you have for people that want to go into the entertainment industry? It, it, I mean we're you know I'm we're you're joking about but it it seems like a lot of pressure to do. Oh my gosh, it's so it's so much pressure. I think the one of the first things I can say is that you have to decide to be really honest and honest with yourself about what you want because you can't come into into comedy or to, into entertainment and say, you know what? I just want to make money. I don't want any fame. I don't want anyone to know me or I just want fame. I don't want any money or I just want the women. I don't want any fame. Like <laughs> you, you can't just pick a thing. It's going to come with all of those things. So when you can be really honest about what you want and you can acknowledge, like, I want to be a star and being a star comes with fame and money and women and pressure, then you can prepare yourself more in a more realistic way. But um, keep a, a close circle around you. I always say speak your dreams out loud. Tell the people that you care about what you want to do. And, and if they check in with you and see if you're still working on that, then you know that you have a good support system. Um, you know, obviously every market is different, but New York city and LA are the top two. So if you want to be in entertainment, getting as close to those as possible is smart. Um, and also you just have to start, you have to try the thing. You have to go out there and start getting on stage or getting on Broadway. You have to go get in a play, use your things that are local to you to give you experiences and get with other creatives and create things together because that's a great way to draw attention to use social media, to post things. Uh, so start creating, for sure. That's great advice. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're very positive. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> I need more of that. I need more of that. Chanel Ali, you've been amazing. Check out her album, Chanel Number no. One. It's great. And um, congratulations on everything and continued success. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Come back. <laughs> Have a great day. Bye. Bye-bye. And um, thank you all for tuning in today for It's Too Early. We're here. We're here, um, we're here uh, weekdays at 8.15. And um, I am also on Facebook. If you want to uh, check out the latest news, go to Gwen Filosa, a reporter in Key West. And going to push on with a song. I'll be back with your headlines and weather forecast. This is The Neighborhood with Stargazing, Island 106.9. Stick around. New music on the island, The Neighborhood, Stargazing. From the top, if I start, I just can't stop. All the patience that.